You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's good to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking again at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and we're going to be talking about the fact that there is life in Jesus. But before we do, I just wanted to mention how much I've enjoyed reading some of the emails I've received this past week from those of you that are listening to this podcast in all sorts of locations. I appreciate hearing from you. It's a lot of fun to read uh, some of your thoughts and some of your insights and just your words of encouragement. It kind of eggs me on to continue to do things like this. And I'll make mention of this again at the end of this episode, but I wanted to make mention of this at the start as well. If this is a ministry that you've been enjoying and you'd like to help us out, there's a few quick ways that you can encourage our work and support this podcast. One of the ways is becoming a supporter and helping us cover our hosting and production costs by chipping in a dollar a month, and the link to do that is at pastor.us. We also have on our website uh, a variety of resources. They're books that I've written through the years, and links to them are available. They're all available on Amazon.com, but you can see that list at pastor.us. And the third way that you could be a support to uh, this podcast is by leaving a rating or a review for us on iTunes. What iTunes does is they give a push to podcasts that get more reviews. And so if that's something that you'd be willing to do, if you appreciate these messages, we would be grateful for that. Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, today we're going to be looking at the fact that Scripture tells us that there is life in Jesus. And it's interesting when we think about the concept of life and we realize that, naturally speaking, life is very fragile. I saw just uh, yesterday a friend of mine has turtles for pets. Uh, she has a, a bunch of kids, and they enjoy having their turtles, and they actually live in a climate where having an outdoor habitat for them makes a lot of sense. And so they brought them outside. They set up an area where there was a little pond area, and they anticipated that the turtles would just stay right by the pond. But after letting them exist out there for a while, they discovered that the turtles were wandering beyond their yard, and one of them unfortunately died, and they thought the other one had died too. But while she was outside yesterday, she came across one of the turtles that she thought was long gone, and they actually decided to bring it back into the house so it can continue being a pet for her sons without worrying that something was going to happen to it. She thought it was dead. Now she discovers that it's alive. And the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today is a, a portion of Scripture that talks about the fact that there is life in Jesus Christ. For us, there is life in Christ. And I'm reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 7. I'll read down to verse 18. And this is what it says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us right now to take a look at it. And Lord, we pray that as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, that you'd help us to understand that the source of true and everlasting life is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, that you would grant us the ability to understand that and that we would apply that truth to our lives. And as we look at this portion of Scripture that talks about all sorts of adversity and difficulties that may come our way during the course of our earthly lives, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain focused on the fact that our life extends far beyond this. When we come to know your Son, Jesus Christ, we're granted life everlasting. And we pray, Lord, that that would be our perspective in the midst of everything that we deal with here and now. So we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to look at your word in this moment, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we begin our look at this portion of Scripture today, I just want to recap a tiny bit about the book of 2 Corinthians. It's a book that's been referred to by many as a very emotional letter of the Apostle Paul, probably the most emotional letter that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write, because you have the church at Corinth bringing Paul great joy, but they also had a habit of breaking his heart. And when you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, you can see that Paul addressed multiple issues that had cropped up in the church, things that were threatening their sense of unity, things that were contributing to their failure to model the gospel in their city. And so you have Paul continuing to try and invest in their maturity. And he's trying to show them that in this world, if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Life isn't easy in this world, but life is purposeful for those who have Jesus Christ. And as Paul tries to make this abundantly clear and to make it clear that Christ is our strength in the midst of our human weakness, he also presents a variety of doctrinal truths throughout this book so that we can grow in our faith in Christ. And when I say doctrinal truth, I'm not trying to say that Paul's not trying to be pragmatic as well, because there's a lot of practical application in this portion of Scripture and throughout the course of this book. But the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to give us a deeper sense of some of the things that the Lord is doing behind the scenes that we wouldn't naturally know, and we're being shown how to apply these things to our life and how to apply these things to our thinking and our beliefs. And one of the principles that the Holy Spirit inspires Paul to make abundantly clear at the outset of this passage is the fact that there is life in the face of death. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is life in the face of death. This is what he says in verse 7. We just read it a moment ago, but I'll reread portions of this. He says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay 
to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then he goes on to say, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Now, we realize that life is fragile, and certain moments in life can be very scary. I actually had a a scary moment just a few days ago with my daughter. I was practicing driving with my 16-year-old daughter, and as we were driving back to our house, uh, she was behind the wheel, and a large buck ran out in front of the car. Now, she was able to stop in time, and I was—I complimented her because she didn't swerve off the road or do anything erratic like that, but she was very understandably upset. And I reminded her again that she did a good job, but that even if she hit the deer, and even if she had managed to damage our car, I was not going to be upset with her because my car is not a collector's item. I drive a 2005 Honda Civic. It's a nice car. I really enjoy it, but it's not a collector's item. It's not a showroom piece. I'm 100% certain that it will end up in a scrapyard someday. I don't care about the car from an eternal standpoint, but I care about her, and her safety is what matters. The life traveling inside that car is what mattered most, not the car itself. And it's interesting when you look at this passage because you have the Apostle Paul mentioning something very similar at the start of these verses. He speaks of himself and he speaks of others who have received the good news of salvation through Jesus as being like jars of clay. We know a jar that's made out of clay is something that's fragile. It's breakable. Uh, can be very useful, but typically what it contained was where the real value was found. And what he's saying here is that we're fragile people that the Lord has entrusted his invaluable gospel to. We're like jars of clay that carry within us the truth of eternal life. And God's purpose in making this the case is to show that it is his power, not our power, that matters most and makes the most difference. And Paul goes on to elaborate in the coming verses, but before looking at that, let me ask you something. Have you ever searched the newspaper or searched online job listings to try and find work? My guess is that most of us, if not all of us, at some point in our lives have done so. And when we do so, what are we typically looking for? I think usually what we're doing is we're looking for the ideal work environment. We're looking for something that matches our skill set, something that offers us reward, something that offers us comfort, and maybe something that even offers us a sense of purpose in exchange for the work that we do. And it's interesting when you look at this passage, look at how Paul described the work that Christ had called him to. He says he was afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, suffering in a way that resembled Christ's earthly experience for the greater joy of displaying the life of Christ in the midst of that suffering. And when you look at that, you can see that that's certainly a purposeful existence, but it was far from the cushy life in this world that our hearts probably crave and maybe at times even idolize. But Paul stressed that there was a point to it all. In the face of death, there is life. 
Do you personally believe that there is a point to the adversity that Christ has called you to face? What good could possibly come from your pain? Well, what if in addition to strengthening your faith in Christ, the Lord has also intended your struggles to be for the benefit of others? that in the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your discomfort, that the life of Christ can be shown to those who desperately need to see a visible example of how real and how powerful he truly is. And I think that's something that the Apostle Paul was trying to communicate in this passage. Now, he goes on to elaborate a little bit further, and he also tells us that there is life in the power of the resurrection. Look again at what he says in verse 13 down to verse 15. He says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Now, when you're reading through the New Testament scriptures, I hope you'll notice something. It's fascinating when we go through the New Testament to see just how often the writers of the New Testament drew examples and encouragement from what the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Old Testament to communicate. And as we look at these verses here, we see that in this passage, you have the Apostle Paul doing that. And what he does here is he's, he's actually quoting from Psalm 116, verse 10. And in Psalm 116, David speaks about distress, he speaks about affliction, he speaks about impending death, but he also praises the Lord who delivers his children from their trials and provides rest for their souls. And Paul was confident that the Lord would do the same for him. As the Holy Spirit inspired David to have faith in the Lord while in the midst of great trials, so too did Paul believe that the Spirit had inspired him to have faith as well. Paul's faith was not in himself. His faith was anchored in the Lord who holds the power of the resurrection. The Lord resurrects. He brings the dead to life. And just as Jesus rose from death, so too will all who believe in him. Paul says in these verses, he says, that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. That's God's guarantee to you and to me. And we're reminded elsewhere in Scripture that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is already at work within us. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 9 to 11, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. It's a fascinating scripture about the promise of our resurrection through faith in Christ. The first time that I experienced the death of a close relative was when I was in sixth grade. 
I had an uncle, actually it was my great uncle, uh, my uncle Barry, and um, he didn't have children of his own, but he was like a grandfather to me, and he passed away in his early 60s, and ironically, and I was thinking about this recently, he worked at a cemetery, and his job was digging graves, and um, I remember at the time when he passed away, I had a very difficult time at that age processing his death. It didn't feel real to me. I used to actually wonder to myself, and maybe you've experienced things like this as well when you were a child, but I used to wonder if he just got sick of his life (laughs) and uh, maybe decided to fake the whole thing, and maybe I would see him someplace. In fact, at the time, I would often find myself thinking that I saw him in the distance when we were out shopping or, or something like that. It actually took me a while before I could truly accept that he was actually dead. And I think that as weird as that is or as funny as that is when you think about it from the perspective of a child, it also makes some sense because when you think about it, we weren't originally designed by God to die. He created Adam and Eve to live forever. Uh, Death only became part of the human experience once they sinned. Now it's a curse that we're all under. But by design, death isn't something we were originally created to be able to process And I think that's why we have such a difficult time trying to process it at times. But thankfully, our God is gracious. And our gracious and merciful God did not let the story end there. In fact, we know that in Adam's sin, humanity as a whole experiences death. But Scripture also tells us that in Christ's life and resurrection, everyone who believes in him is granted life. I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 21 and 22. It says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. This fact changes the way we live. When you know and when I know that the power death once had over us has been broken, that produces joy. It produces thanksgiving to God. It produces confidence in God's work in our lives, and it directly impacts our perspective in the midst of every circumstance. And when you look at what the Apostle Paul states in this passage, he didn't lose hope because that's exactly what he was understanding to be the case. That's exactly what we could see working in his mind and in his thinking and in his perspective. He realized that the power that death once had over him had been broken, and that he had life in Jesus Christ that was eternal. And that's, in fact, what he goes on to talk about here as he finishes up this passage of Scripture. He tells us that real life is eternal in nature. So he says in verse 16, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Day. And he goes on to say, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So, as he did at the start of the chapter, you have Paul again stressing here that he doesn't lose heart even in the midst of great adversity. He recognized that even though his physical body was wearing out, his inner self was being renewed 
daily. His body was weakening, but his spirit was growing strong in Christ. His body was achy and afflicted, but his spirit had the joy of Christ. Paul also recognized that the afflictions that he was experiencing were temporary in nature. He even speaks of those afflictions which, humanly speaking, were a big deal, but he speaks of them as if they were just a small matter. And I like the way, it's almost like he's mocking these afflictions to a certain degree because he calls his afflictions here light and momentary, meaning from the perspective of eternity, his trials and struggles in this world weren't all that heavy at all, and they only lasted a short while, then they were done. What difference do you suppose it would make if we could start seeing our afflictions from that perspective? In this moment, if something is afflicting you, could you call it light and momentary? And could you give yourself permission to begin seeing it from the perspective of eternity as something that's preparing you for the eternal glory Christ has reserved for his followers? Most people in this world are over-consumed and overburdened with very temporary things that they treat like eternal matters. And maybe we find ourselves doing that frequently as well. I've certainly done that at different moments in my life, and maybe you have also. But real life, the kind that we're granted through a relationship with Jesus, isn't temporary, and it's not transient. It's everlasting. It's eternal. And the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words so that we could be made aware of that truth and reminded of it often, particularly in the midst of our afflictions. I read something interesting recently about the lifespan of typical things that we use in this world. And um, the analysis listed a few things, and he here's a few of the ones that I thought were the most interesting. It said, experts estimate that if a normal cassette tape, now I don't tend to use cassette tapes too much anymore, if at all, and you probably don't either, but many of us use these things growing up. But anyway, they said, experts estimate that if a normal cassette tape is played about a 100 times a year, sound quality will deteriorate somewhat after about 10 years, but the tape itself will play on. The article said a lightning bolt lasts 45 to 55 microseconds. The average running shoe worn by the average runner on an average surface will last 350 to 500 miles. A hard pencil can write up to 30,000 words or draw a line more than 30 miles long, and most ballpoint pens will draw a line 4,000 to 7,500 feet long. Leather combat boots have a wartime lifespan of six months and a peacetime lifespan of eight months. A $1 bill lasts approximately 18 months in circulation. I also thought this one was interesting. I watch a lot of football, and uh, it says that practice footballs used by professionals last two to three days, a playing life of perhaps five hours. Home teams are required to provide 24 new balls each game, and these last only about six minutes of playing time. And that was from a, a book called Lifespans by Frank Kendig and Richard Hutton. A man named Richard Needham once described the seven ages of a man's natural life as spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. But in Christ, what do we know? In Christ, there's so much more to life than all of that. 
We're so surrounded by temporary things that wear out and get used up that sometimes what we end up doing is that we forget that the nature of the true life that we find in Christ is ongoing. It's eternal in nature. I don't know what you've been trying to find life in, but I'll say this. If it's something that's temporary or transient in nature, it's going to let you down. But when you find life in Christ through faith in Him, you'll experience an ongoing renewal as His power accomplishes His work in you. Let me end by reading from John chapter 5, verse 24. This is what Jesus says in that passage. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege to be able to look at it today. And we thank you for the fact that through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, we have been granted life. In hearing his word, in believing him, in trusting in him, believing in you who sent him, we're granted eternal life. We have a future to look forward to that's not a future of condemnation in your presence, but a future of life because we've passed from death to life through faith in your Son. And Lord, we know that so often we get caught up in things of this world that are momentary in nature. They're transient in scope. And we know that the Apostle Paul was wrestling with that sort of stuff as well as he was going about his earthly ministry. And he certainly could have become bogged down by the trials he was facing. But instead, he chose to look at these things from an eternal perspective as you opened his mind and opened his heart to see them as such. Lord, we know that he was dealing with adversity from all kinds of angles. He was dealing with things that could have discouraged him greatly, and I'm certain that he wrestled with that at times. But Lord, you reminded him, you encouraged him, you helped him in the midst of those battles to look beyond these things and to recognize that life isn't found in the transient things of this world and that life is not found in the creature comforts of this world, but true life is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that if we're wrestling with that kind of internal struggle or internal battle where we're allowing the adversities that we're facing in our lives or we're allowing things that are momentary in nature to consume our thinking as if they are permanent in nature, we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to become better focused on how you operate and what your will is and what you've revealed in your word. Lord, we're grateful for the privilege of being able to read this passage today and meditate on it for just a little bit. And we pray, Lord, that you would use it to speak into our lives so that we would grow in our walk with you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your presence with us today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the program, if you'd like to help this ministry to continue, there are three very quick ways that you can offer your encouragement and support. One of the ways is you can help us underwrite the cost of our production and hosting by chipping in a dollar a month to help cover those costs, and the link to do that is found at pastor.us. We also have books there that I've written throughout the course of the years that, by God's grace, I hope will encourage you in your walk with Christ. And again, just go to pastor.us and click on the tab up top that says Books, 
And uh, a third way that you can encourage this ministry or help us out as we seek to reach even more people is by leaving a rating or a review for us on iTunes. And from time to time, we hope to be reading some of your reviews in future episodes. But I have to say, as I mentioned at the start of the program, I have thoroughly appreciated the variety of emails that I've received from listeners during the course of this week. Very encouraging to me. Thank you for taking the time to pass those along. And I'm grateful that the podcast is something that's encouraging you as well. So that's all for this episode. Uh, We look forward to being with you again next week. And be sure to visit us online at pastor.us. We hope you have a great day. Take care. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more.